Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 48, Idea, Passion, Plan. Before I get into talking about, you know, coming up with ideas and trying to bring them to life, talk a little bit about stock um, and just kind of, you know, what I've been feeling lately. Obviously, when it, when it you know, was broke past 50, got to 52, I was feeling really good. And even if it was just going to keep going up each week by a few bucks, I could live with that. Be patient, let it get up to, you know, 60, 70, and then maybe eventually it's like the old story of, you know, if you just you put a, a frog in water and then, you know, let it slowly heat up till it's boiling. You know, that's how you boil a frog as opposed to boiling water and then throwing the frog in it or trying to get the frog in it, right? And I thought, well, maybe if it just keeps going up, it'll get unsustainable for the hedge funds to keep covering their shorts and or, or you know, to support their short position. And eventually they'll have to they'll get margin called or they have to cover. So I was willing to be patient. Um, but again, that was assuming that there was no manipulation, that they had stopped that. And um, what we sort of saw towards the, towards the end of the week is, nope, they're still there. They're still jerking us around with the price. And it was, it was very disappointing. And I want to say something and understand this. I'm in no way equating investing in AMC and being in, in, in you know, being in on this position and what I'm going to say. I'm just using it as, as a loose example. But, as, and you just say, well, how can this go on? How can this go on? There's actually two examples I'll, I'll bring up. And, and neither one, listen, what we're doing is nothing compared to these two examples. But it just, I, I, I do want to bring it up. All right. So you probably saw clips or you maybe watched the, the, the U.S. gymnast testifying in Congress and talking about um, Nadler, who was abusing them, and how they kept going and, and asking for help, and how they kept being failed by the system, that the FBI just would not do its job, no one would hold this guy responsible, nobody would stop this guy. Everybody knew this was going on, and nobody could stop it. And it's horrifying. It's horrifying to know these kids were being abused like this and nobody was doing anything. And they talk about feeling powerless and how horrible that must feel that, you know, something bad is happening and the people that are in charge of trying to stop it aren't doing anything. And we all know that everybody knew what was going on and nobody would stop it. All right. And then the other example I want to use is recently, I guess there was the couple that was on a road trip and... And the guy showed up at the end of the road trip alone, and like the girl wasn't with him anymore. And we're like, "What? Where's the girl?" And this guy's like, "I don't know. You know, I don't know all the details of it." Um, but you look at that, and it's it's pretty obvious something bad happened, right? Now, why they can't arrest this guy, who knows? But he's missing now too, apparently. But it's one of those things. As soon as this happens, you just want to grab the guy and say, "Nope, you're not leaving this room till." we know what happens, right? Because it's too obvious that, you know, you, you may have killed this girl, right? 
Um, but everybody sort of has a suspicion that that's what happened. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're going to, you know, give this guy a chance to run away now when, you know, he should have been under suspicion the whole time. Anyway, well, neither of these examples comes close to what we're doing with. But I, I bring them up because it's the sense of you feel like you're a victim with AMC, that this manipulation is going on. It's illegal. These synthetic shorts are illegal. No other situation can people just make up a product to sell like that. It's called counterfeiting. And you and I do it with something. We go to jail. If I sit around my house and I, I, come up, I come up with you know Louis Vuitton purses and go out and sell Louis Vuitton purses without them being real Louis Vuitton purses, I go to jail for counterfeiting. These guys make billions. They make billions coming up with these fake shares. And nobody's doing anything about it. They manipulate the price. They do all this other stuff and nobody's doing anything about it. You know, SEC just, I don't know if they're doing something behind the scenes. But I'd love for them to say, we looked into this. It's okay. We looked into it. It's above board. That's just the market. You don't like it, don't invest. Or they look into it and say, yeah, this is illegal. And it can't be done. But it's just that that sense of powerlessness and frustration and that you are a victim and there's no no law enforcement that will hold the people abusing you, you know, doing their crimes, taking advantage of you, stealing the money. No one's going to stop them. They're the ones in charge. And it's a terrible feeling. And that's part of the frustration that I was feeling at the end of the week, it's like, oh, you think you're, you're, you know, you're safe. You think maybe it's finally going to happen. And they just come right back up and go back to their old tricks and start bringing the stock down. And the only question is, okay, well, how, how low are they going to bring it down this time? They're going to go back to the 30s, take it back to 29. Fine. We'll start buying again. People will start buying it again when they bring it down that low. It's kind of a no-win situation for either of us, right? They don't want it to get too high, so they can't. it can't go on the MOAS and trigger the MOAS, right? But if it gets too low, we're just going to buy more stock. More people can buy in. Institutions can increase their position, you know, when the price goes low. So they have to kind of keep it in this middle area where maybe it's a little more expensive to get in or to, to add to your position, but it's not so high that, you know, it's there's... You know, a good day um, could trigger the MOAS. So it's very frustrating. And uh, we'll see what the new week brings. You know, it's interesting. There's the footage of Citadel's office with the drone. Are they moving? Are they relocating? Are they just updating their equipment? You know, when I was at Disney, they used to do that all the time. Um, when I say all the time, you know, a few times. That we would move to a different floor or they would update. Um, our cubicles or our, you know our, our work situation and of course on a funny it's funny if they're just updating systems they would just come around and they would slowly update one workstation and then they would go to the next and most of the time they would do that during the day when people are working so they could you know work with the person at that workstation and try to understand make sure they do it the right way um 
But then there were times where there were massive overhauls, where whether it was like the floor or whatever, and we would work ahead. We would get everything done because then at a certain point, people would say, that's it, we're shutting down. They're going to move all our stuff, right? And then they would do the stuff after hours. They wouldn't do it during the workday because they're going to have to move everybody. So looking at this footage, it's kind of understandable why they're doing it at night. Why they had to do it at midnight, I don't know. That seems a little suspicious. Seems like you're doing something at midnight, you want to do it so nobody knows you're doing it, right? If it's just about not doing it during the work hours, you could probably do that at, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night, and hopefully everything's, you know, shut down at that point and, and you can do it. But who's to say? None of those things are definitive. They haven't exactly released a press release telling everybody what was going on. They did they do have new properties in New York, whether they're moving to New York or Whatever it is, nobody knows. It's interesting, and we'll see what happens with it. But it's certainly not like, oh, this is it. This is it. It's over. They're they're shutting down. Um, I saw one meme that was great. <laughs> Someone had put one of those the spirit Halloween um, signs above it. Because a lot of times you'll see like a business will go out of business, and there'll just be an empty building there. And then around Halloween, spirit will you know probably lease that building for a few months to sell Halloween costumes out of it. So someone had put a spirit Halloween store sign on the Citadel building. I thought that was funny. Um, the other big thing, the Evergrande in China, you know, going down, um, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the U.S. market. It wasn't huge on Friday. It didn't really do much damage, I think, on Friday. Um, we'll, but we'll see this week if there's more fallout from that. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I, I think our movement needs help. I don't think just investors now coming into it are going to do the trick. I don't think there's an, it's, it's, it, it seems to have cooled off a bit. Like when I got into it in May, that's what happened to me. I saw news stories and that's what drew me in. And then we, of course, had the run up to 72 and that got more stories and it got a little exciting. And then, you know, it was, but then it cooled off. And now the stock's gone down. It doesn't seem as attractive an investment for people anymore, I don't think. It needs a little bit of sizzle to get people back. Um, but the hedge funds, I think, have been doing a good job <laughs> combating the stock and keeping it low and manipulating it. And, and it's been frustrating. So what do we need? We might need a market crash to bring down the level of stocks so the collateral that these hedge funds have and the holdings, their stock holdings they have, if that goes down dramatically, now they don't have the collateral to cover their short positions and maybe they get they get margin call. Who knows? Maybe if the stock market is going down but AMC is going up, that might be attractive for investors to say, I'm going to put my money into AMC and watch it go up instead of with the rest of the market, which is going down. The SEC could get involved, you know, if they ever banned dark pool trading for 30 days and all the people that were buying AMC, if that actually showed up, and I think that could cause the MOAS. Um, I don't know. We need a little help from somewhere. We need something. We need something. But uh, me buying one or two shares, I don't know if that's going to do the trick for us. So... We'll see. You know, it's funny. We're going to talk about ideas here in a second. 
And when I was an aspiring screenwriter, you know, my big time to write was on the weekend. You know, I'd, I'd have Saturday and Sunday and I could write. And sometimes I'd have like really big weekends where I either finished a script or was working on it or I got feedback from somebody. So basically on the weekend, I'd feel good. I'd feel awesome. I'd feel like this is the one. This is the one that's going to, you know, finally going to get a deal, finally going to be able to start my career. And you'd feel really good on the weekend. You know, you'd feel like a million dollars. But Monday morning always came. And I had to go to my job that supported me. And it was it was just a reality. Monday morning, the reality hit. You know, you're not a screenwriter. You work at a, you know, you're a drone. You're an office drone, cubicle person. Just get to your cube and start working. No one cares about your ideas about this or that. Just go do your job. And that was always Monday morning. It's interesting. We have Monday mornings with AMC now, you know, that over the weekend, you know, this just like this, like, oh, you know, the drone footage of the office means Citadel's going out of business. Um, you know, Evergrande is going to, you know, collapse all these markets and the price is going to race up. Monday morning, we'll find out. You know, pre-market, we'll see how it starts doing in pre-market. And then when the market opens, and, and sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down. And mostly lately it's been going down. So we could have all this great ideas and these rumors and everything. And we'll find out on Monday when the market opens whether it's going to go up or down or you know what it do, whatever it does. Let's talk about ideas. Um, idea, passion, and plan, right? Idea, passion, plan. I think everybody gets ideas for stuff, right? It doesn't matter if you're creative, not creative. Everybody has ideas for products, books, stories, movies, TV shows. Um, everybody has ideas. They're, they just come. You never know when they come. Um, you know, the only thing I could suggest is, you, you know, be ready for it. What helps you give you ideas? I know for me, I like driving. You know, that's one of the reasons I like working Instacart right now. I get to drive and it gives me the time just to think. Sometimes I get ideas. I listen to a lot of books on, on tape. Um, sometimes if I don't listen to anything, I just can kind of, you know, get inside my head a little bit and just think about stuff. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. But those are good times to get ideas. And it really depends on what, what your idea is for. Um, passion. How passionate are you about this idea? People say, I have an idea for a movie. I think this is a great idea for a movie. Really? Okay. How, how great an idea do you really think it is? Are you willing to invest the months into writing a screenplay? Could be years, depending on what you're writing. But if it's just a simple idea, like a I don't know, silly comedy where you don't have to do a ton of research, it's just about sitting down in your chair and and writing out those pages and then reworking it so you know it's a, a readable draft and professional looking and it's funny. That usually can take months if you if you're working a real job. If you if you have all the time in the world, it can go a little faster. Are you that passionate about it that you actually write the screenplay or do you just want, you have the idea and you want someone else to write it, right? Um, 
is it an idea for a book or a blog or podcast? And you have this idea and nothing's going to stop you from not bringing it to life. Do you have that passion? Is that the kind of passion you have? So ideas are easy. Passion, what's the fire in your belly? What's it going to make you do, right? And then there's the plan. Do you have a good plan for this? Is it a smart plan? Or is this a plan? You could have a good idea. You could have a lot of passion for it. But if you have a terrible plan, it could really hurt you, right? What's your plan? Um, so let's get into it. Sum up screenplays. So here's the good and the bad about screenplays. I basically have given up writing screenplays. I That was my whole life for years. For years, that was my whole life. I would say from 1990, when I was still in college and I wrote my first screenplay, to, I don't know, 2015, when I moved my family to Oregon. And even after I moved to Oregon, I still wrote a couple of scripts, I think. But it basically, you know, by now I've, I've completely given up on it, you know. I think the last, the last screenplay I wrote, um, it was a, it was for an, a film, a film idea called, uh, She's Out of the Picture. And it was, and I know it seems like a silly idea, right? As I say this, but I really thought it was cute and, um, was funny anyway. And it would have been about, um, uh, it's kind of like a mannequin idea, splash idea, where a um, a mo- you know there's an, a guy sees an ad right it's a model in the ad and uh, he basically falls in love with the girl and that's it, the model right and he sees this picture he always sees this picture at Target and he loves it and he notices that it's it's gone and he's like he kind of asks because I think he wants he wants the picture right he says hey what do you you know do you have that picture in the back or something. And they say, well, we threw it out, you know. And he goes in the back, and he actually saves this picture from the, the garbage can. And just because it's it's movies and it's magic, the, the girl comes out of the picture, right? But here's the thing. She's she's an advertisement. So she the only clothes she'll wear, and it's a girl that's advertising, like, ski a ski outfit, right? So the only outfit she'll wear as she's come into the real world is her ski outfit. And not only is that the only outfit that she'll wear... She's constantly, because people notice her, because she's walking around in a ski outfit, uh, but she's gorgeous, right? You know, that's the trade-off. What if you had a girlfriend who's absolutely gorgeous, right? But she always wore a ski outfit. <laughs> Would you? Could you deal with that? Now, part, one of the scenes in the movie is he takes her skiing, right? And it's nice because then they completely fit in, right? It's just they can't ski. He's trying to think how they can just, every day they can go skiing and he can be with her and nobody's going to make fun of her for wearing a ski outfit but anyway bottom line she and she's always constantly selling her outfit you know with you know telling because she's it's she's an advertisement she's an advertisement come to life um but then the other part of it is that um while she is an advertisement that's come to life in the real world she can take him into the advertising world so it, you know, for the first half of the movie is in the real world. The second half is in this advertising world, and it has a lot of fun with ads, and you know our expectations of ads and everything. And but I, I was, I, I thought it was a, a good idea. Um, I know it's a little cheesy. It's a lot like mannequin, but I thought you know if you can get around that, um, there's a lot of fun to be had here because the world of advertising is crazy. Every we all have our own relationships with ads and this advertising world that's always constantly trying to sell us products. 
But the big thing is the passion. As you can just probably tell from me talking about it, like I really liked it. Like I had a lot of passion for this idea and so much passion that I was basically retired from screenwriting and it, I, it got me out of retirement. And I wanted to, I went back and I wrote this script. And there's a thing called, uh, and obviously I'm not in the industry anymore and I don't, even, I don't have an agent. I don't know anybody really anymore. But there's a, there's a service called Pitch Fest or Virtual Pitch. I think it's Virtual Pitch. And there are some industry people, development people, you can pitch your idea to to see if they'll read your screenplay, right? And you pay this service, and they, they you basically submit them. Like, a lot of people don't want your idea. They don't want to read it. And if you send them an email, they're going to say, I'm sorry, we don't take outside ideas, right? Well, these are people that say, okay, I'll listen to your idea. And these people could be genuine movie producer or they could be just a complete joke that signed up for this thing. And who knows if they get paid for it or not. I don't know exactly how that works. Um, but it literally could be someone like me, you know, calling themselves a production company. And they just look at pitches from people. And they don't have the money to buy your idea or, you know, give you any substantial amount of money. But if they really like something, maybe they would say, well, let me let me shop it around for you. But anyway, but it's better than nothing, I guess. And you, and it's not cheap to do it. Um, each pitch, you know, is generally about ten bucks, ten to fifteen bucks, depending on what kind of package you buy. So, it's it's not that cheap. Um, but it's a way to submit your idea to people just to see if someone will read your screenplay. And I got a few people to read it. And of course, COVID hit and shut everything down. And I never, the people that agreed to read it, I never heard anything back from. And it just kind of died. I did end up making it an ebook. Uh, I just converted the screenplay into an ebook, so you can find it on Amazon if you go to Amazon. Um, and she's out of the picture, Russell Corey. You can you can find the uh, the picture of actually the girl that I I pictured as is you know the the person the ski bunny um, model. And anyway, so you can see that on Amazon. Um, it, it has not sold a lot. I don't know if anybody's actually bought it, but every three months I can I can give I can have free downloads of it for five days. Five you get five days of free downloads every three months. You can do five days in a row. You can space it out for those you know a day here, a day there, and that's all I do with it. Is it, it's just fun to see people downloading the the the, uh, the book, the screenplay, and you think, well, hopefully they'll like it. Hopefully they'll get a kick out of it, right? So that was that's my idea, my passion, and my plan. Um, my idea was, all right, a girl comes out of an ad, and she's like a real advertisement. She's beautiful, but she's going to, you know, the trade-off is she's an ad. She's always trying to sell the ski outfit that she's in, right? The passion I had for it was I actually really liked it, and it was enough that I actually wrote the screenplay. My plan was I'm going to write this screenplay, and I'm going to pitch it to people on virtual pitch. And if it gets picked up, someone shows some interest, great. If not, then, you know, forget it. It's over. Okay. So the problem with writing screenplays is that a screenplay is just a blueprint for a movie. And you're essentially saying to somebody, Here, here's an idea for a movie. You know, please give me several hundred thousand dollars for my screenplay. And then I please you know, help yourself to spend several million dollars actually bringing this movie to life, you know. Um, and these movies these days, are, you know, 
a cheap movie could be a million dollars. Expensive movies could be, you know, $200 million, right? So not a very, very expensive business making movies. So my advice, if you have ideas for screenplays or movies, um, I'm going to say here's the good news and here's the bad news. I'll give you the bad news first. No one wants your screenplay. You got an idea for a movie, you're going to write a screenplay, and you're going to pitch it to people or send it to people. Don't waste your time. They don't want, they don't want your movies. It's funny, there's an old movie called The Hustler, Paul Newman, black and white, Jackie Gleason's Minnesota Fats, and Paul Newman's the young hustler on the up, on the up and, and uh, Jackie Gleason's Minnesota Fats, and he's the established, you know, pool ace. And, um, and Paul Newman shows up to town, and he's going to play you know, Minnesota fats for money. And he's in the pool hall and, you know, one of the locals comes up and starts feeling him out. And you know, like he, 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 you know, he quickly understands the situation and he tells the guy, you know, go away. The, the fats doesn't want your money, <laughs> you know? And that's how I feel about it. Hollywood doesn't want your ideas. They don't want your screenplays. And of course I tell you this and what you go off and have a great career. It's possible, but boy, it is a tough racket. It is a tough racket. And I would say, don't bother. You're just going to waste your time. That was my experience, right? And I'm not saying that to be bitter or angry. I just say it as reality, that it's very hard. It's just like any other business. Come up with an idea for a product and send it to the company and expect them to spend millions of dollars to bring your idea for a product. You, who have never you know, brought a product for that company to life or don't have a track record, and you're, you know, your your idea is the one that they're going to invest millions in to bring it to market. That'd be ridiculous. You you don't. That's not realistic. Or what if it's an architect, you know, or a builder, and you're you say, hey, I have an idea for a house here. Here's my idea for a house. Go, please build it for several million dollars. Now I've never built a house. I've you know, but please build my house for. It just it just doesn't make sense. Okay. Now here's the good news. The good news is this. Come up with an idea that you can produce yourself and make your movie. These iPhones, these cameras, the software editing equipment that is out now is absolutely amazing. The social media platforms you have to distribute your idea on YouTube or any of these other Channels, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, the ability to reach an audience is amazing. So you have in your pocket the ability to have a high quality production edited professionally and then distributed on a mass scale. What do you need Hollywood for? Oh, yeah, they have millions. They'll pay you millions for your idea, and then they'll pay millions to advertise your idea. Okay, well, that's that's nice, but have fun trying to get those millions because there's, you know, you're competing against Steven Spielberg and <clears throat> every other filmmaker that's, you know, done this, right, and has been successful. But if it's just an idea that you can film yourself and nobody has to say yes to, go and do it. Guess what? I had an idea for a podcast, right? <clears throat> I saw people doing, you know, YouTube videos on AMC and people tweeting about it. And I thought, you know, 
could maybe I could do something with AMC. You know, I don't know anything about the stock market. Well, what can I do? Well, all right. I could just talk about my experience as an investor. And I already have a podcast. It's there. I just have to do it. And lo and behold, I found an audience. And it's awesome. And it worked out. Now, I've had other ideas that don't. You just have to take that chance. But the bottom line is, I didn't have to wait for somebody to say yes. I didn't pitch my idea to anybody. I just went and I did it. And in this situation, it worked out. Now, define working out. How much money do I make from this podcast? Yet nothing. I don't. It costs me money. I I just renewed my subscription to do this, right? So it's costing me money to do this podcast. Um, I did get a you know deep discount on the renewal, so I got that going for me, right? But it was still money. All right. Well, can I go out and get advertisers for it? Well, maybe. Maybe I can, but I don't know any. That's the problem is I don't know enough about that to do it. Probably could use a business manager or something. Um, but I also, you know, I like keeping it clean. There's no agenda here. I'm just talking about my experience, and there's nothing to conflict with that. Remember the other day I talked about, you know, say, you know, Lou versus Wall Street, and I talked about how he's very politically incorrect and how he talks sometimes, right? Or you could say he's just not correct in the way he talks sometimes, right? And you think, well, what are you going to complain to his advertisers? He doesn't have any advertisers. His corporate sponsors, he doesn't have any corporate sponsors, you know? So he he doesn't have to worry about that stuff. And I, I suppose there's something to that. Would I like to have corporate sponsors? Yeah, probably. You know, why not? I could use some money. I could definitely use some money. Trust me. But I don't have any of that right now. Who knows? Maybe in the future. I don't know. But right now, you know, I'm okay without it. And But I'm passionate about this idea, and I'm grateful that there's an audience. So I keep doing it. I had an idea for a podcast. I was passionate enough to actually do it. Here's where the passion comes in, right? I mentioned I have the other podcast, the Stories for Kids podcast. And I love that podcast, and I like coming up with stories for kids. It's just, it was really hard to do that every day. I had a stretch during the summer where I was producing a lot of podcasts. But there's times, months will go by before I do a new story and post it on the podcast. And what happened was somebody noticed this, and they that does children's stories podcasting too. And I guess they were buying up podcast from people that that do children's stories right so i got an email from this guy out of the blue saying hey i noticed you haven't done any podcast in months would you be interested in selling your podcast to me and that i you know that reawakened my interest in in the stories for kids podcast and so i said well i wasn't really thinking about selling it but um I'm, i'm i'm open what what's your offer and he basically was going to pay me $1,000 for my podcast, right? And I said, well, give me some time to think about it. And I thought about it. And the truth was, and so I started doing some new podcasts. And there was an audience that when I would do a new story that, you know, hundreds of downloads, if it was a new, new podcast each day. And it's something I would do with my kids. And they're both very young right now. 
but I thought, you know, who knows the, the, the age we're moving into, right, of social media and doing all this stuff and what the value of a podcast that has an audience will be. And it might be worth more than a thousand. But I thought for my kids, you know, if this is a podcast, if they can keep doing and by the time they start applying for colleges, one of the things they could put on their colleges, I've done a podcast for 10 years and I have, you know, this many listeners or I've interviewed this person, you know, I thought it could be a really good asset for them in the future, too. So I, I wrote the guy back and I said, you know, thanks for the offer, but, you know, I'm going to keep it for now. And then, of course, I stopped doing podcasts. Well, I haven't done I haven't done um, a new story for the Stories for Kids podcast in a while now. Because it, it's, it's, these podcasts are nice to do because I really just talk about my feelings. I put a little bit of time trying to organize the idea, but not much. I just kind of talk about how I feel and what's going on, right? So it's, it's nice that I don't have to come up with a full, complete story for this, where it's a little harder coming up with the other stories or podcasts over there. So, you know, I have I have my Stories for Kids podcast, but my passion isn't quite there for it. And I don't get paid, again, I don't get paid for the other podcast either. So it's just coming, you know, it's just a hobby or doing it out of my time. And right now, I want to use my time for other things. So I, I was passionate about it, but not so passionate. And my plan for it now is it's there it's really to see if the kids want to keep doing it and it's something for them. But that was my you know, plan for the Stories for Kids podcast. The plan for this podcast, you know, I had an idea, do an AMC-related podcast. My passion is that I try to have a podcast every day, that I want to have a new episode every day. Because it, it doesn't take a ton of work to do that. It is a commitment. And the, the hardest thing for me is just having the quiet time or the free time you know during the day my office where my computer is my wife is in there working so it'd be kind of hard to you know sit and do a podcast with her over my shoulder not impossible but I'm you know she could get on a call or who knows if she'll get annoyed with what I'm talking about or start you know saying you're babbling you're going on nobody cares who knows so it's nice to have the quiet time or if if the kids are around they might be in the other room when I start but in the middle of the podcast they could come rushing in so a lot of times I record this podcast after my kids go to sleep or um, I will go to sleep and then I'll wake up sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night right and that's when I'm like all right I have enough energy to go down and do the podcast. And then I try to get it posted because usually I wake up to check pre-market anyway. So I'll come down and I'll do the podcast and I'll just, and I'll post it um, in, in the middle of the night now. And, and the, so those late hours, this, it gets a little rough, but here's the thing. I'm doing Instacart. I don't start my deliveries till a little later in the day. So as long as I can get up, get my kids dressed, get them off to school, I got a little time to relax, um, but then it's not like I'm sitting at the computer. I, listen, I had some some issues when I would be at my computer, and if I was working on one of these projects at night and on the weekend, and I was becoming sleep deprived, and I would have to go into work and sit at my computer, you know, I'd have real issues with you know my eyes getting a little heavy. Um, on a good day, they got a little heavy. That um, I've I've had I've had that problem for a while now. You know, I don't know if it's just sleep deprivation or 
um, you know, some other kind of condition. But like if I'm in a meeting or something and it's a boring meeting and I'm not engaged, my eyes get a little tired, you know. So I don't have to worry about that. You know, I'm not going to be at my computer doing nothing. Um, I'm I'm active. I'm out shopping. And it's, you know, if anything, I can take a nap if I need to as well, drink some coffee. And, you know, usually I'm okay, right? But that's the passion that I have to try and every day have something, you know, on the podcast. And, and one of my reasons for that is I'm grateful that there's an audience out there. And I feel bad for the kids that listen to the Stories for Kids podcast because there's not a lot of new episodes. And right now, you know, my kids' favorite podcast is not the one we do. It's um, one called The Reading Bug Adventure. And it's just little, the people that run it have a little bookstore in Northern California, and they do this podcast to help support their store. And my kids love those the, the podcast they do, right? And every night, that's the podcast they want to listen to. And it's been a while since they've had a new podcast. They, I don't know when their new season's going to start, but I know what it's like for them when there's a new story. But they listen to the old stories. They don't care. And I think that's the, that's the way on my podcast. Kids, are kids. they don't care if they'll watch the same cartoon 10, 20 times. Um, and and uh, that's the way it is on my podcast that I see the same episodes get listened to again and again, right? So... The idea to have new podcasts is really special. And when I see those new podcasts show up, I know they're going to be excited because they get a new podcast. So I like having the new podcast. I'm that way with podcasts I listen to. That you know, when I'm into a podcast and there's a new episode, I'm you know, I'm totally happy. I'm totally stoked. So that's the passion that I have for it. My plan for it, you know, at this point, I just want to, you know have an audience and try to do a good job and build that audience. Whether financially it will work out, I don't know. I think if you can generate an audience and show and prove that you have that audience, then that could be, you know, attractive to advertisers. I'm not there quite yet. And then I'm curious as to well what's the future of this podcast going to be? What if there is the MOAS and it happens? Is everybody just going to go away? Because, well, it's done. I don't need to listen to it. Or is there going to be a larger story after that? What do you do with the money? What do you do with your success at that point? You know, is it then worth, you know, keep coming back or being a part of this community? And that's the way I feel that I think there'll be a story after the MOAS. And hopefully it'll be a good story about how we can change things and do things. And this is a place you can come to because you, you've been here from the beginning. You know, this is an ape podcast. This is an AMC investor podcast. And right now we're waiting for it to happen, right? And we're sharing those feelings. And and this is just a way to hang with somebody who's going through maybe the same things that you're going through. And and um, and once it happens, you're get, there's going to be whole new issues that we're going to be going through, right? And we can do it together. And again, I like talking about my life. I like talking about movies and writing. And if that's something that interests you, then great. You know, I also my other passion is politics, history, but I try to keep that out. I I don't. That's not what this podcast is about. And if anything, that's one of the things that I I like about the AMC Eight movie is that I'm probably teaming up with people that I would disagree with politically. And sometimes I see that, and sometimes I have no idea. But I like the fact that we're working together to achieve something. 
Um, and I don't want to ruin that by having going on political rants every podcast, you know, even though I feel perfectly justified in, in my rant. Now, there are some truths that I stick to and I'll stand up for. Look, I believe you should treat people with respect. You call it politically correct. I call it correct. I think, yeah, anything can get ridiculous. I agree with that. But I, I think you should be respectful of people. You want them to be respectful of you, then you should be respectful of people. I believe, you know, we should treat people equally. You ever been treated unequal? You ever been treated unfairly? Doesn't feel good, right? So, we, you know, make, remember that. That's how you should treat people. Those are the simple things, right? Hey, we have a democracy. You take a vote. People win, people lose, and we go on, right? This idea that people want this, you know, seem to be heading towards this authoritarian style where, you know, there is no truth. You make up your own truth. I don't like that, and I'll stand up for that, against that. But listen, I don't, I don't want this, you know, I'm not going to go on political rants every episode, you know, but I am who I am, and if you don't like that, don't listen, right? But I'm not going to give you a reason not to. You know, like I said, I had a lot of, you know, Facebook friends that I've canceled out because I was just tired of, of seeing that stuff. Um, now, if I, if I thought somebody was Republican, would I cancel them? No. But if they sitting up there and throwing up some propaganda that I completely disagree with that I think is dangerous, I don't want the, that person to be my friend anymore. Right. But we may not agree on everything together and we can have a civil disagreement. That's fine. Or you can have a belief that maybe I don't believe in, but you're entitled to that. We're talking about hunting and fishing. Like I can't see myself going out and hunting and fishing right now. I'd rather take my kids to aquarium or, you know, we have a fish hatchery here in Oregon and we'd love to take our kids to the fish hatchery and they can feed the fish. They can see the fish, but we're not catching them. We're not killing them. We're not eating them yet. We'll go to the grocery store and buy some salmon and eat salmon for dinner. So I'm not going to say hunting, fishing should be illegal. I'm just saying I'm not going to do it, right? And uh, that's kind of the way that I you know, feel about that. So what's the, what's the future of this podcast? I don't know. At this point, I just want to keep doing episodes on AMC and maybe even after it, the MOAS, keep doing it. Um, but that's my plan is to just, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, and that, and as long as I'm happy doing it and I have some bandwidth to do it, then I'll do it. So what could happen, you know, that would derail that? Well, if I had to get a real 9-to-5 job, right, and I had to make sure I was getting enough sleep at night. I couldn't wake up in the middle of the night and do these podcasts, right? I have to I'd be falling asleep at work. So if, if that happened, I'd, I'd have to stop doing the podcast probably or do it, you know, every so often when I had chance on the weekend or, you know, who knows. Or maybe I could do it at my lunch hour. You know, I could just take my iPhone, bring my microphone and find a conference room and do a podcast at work and then come home and edit it and post it. Now, I also, do you have an idea for a book, right? Here's here's the great Here's the good and news and bad news about books. You want you you want a real book or like a real publisher, New York publisher, editors and all that stuff. It comes out and you get to go on book tour and do autographs and all that. Yeah, forget it. Don't waste your time. 
That's just like the movie industry. It's just really hard to do that. I suppose it can happen, just like people win the lottery. And if you want to give it a try, go give it a try, right? But my advice is, you have an idea for a book, whether it's a novel or any other book, write your book. Write your book and self-publish it on Amazon. Are you going to make any money? Yeah, probably not. If you're lucky, you know, maybe over the course of its lifetime, it might make a you know a few hundred dollars for you in royalties. It depends on how much you charge. But at least you you make your book. It's awesome feeling writing a book and having it in print. It's it's a great feeling. Yes, it's not it's not the you know published by a real publisher. You don't get that. But you see your idea as opposed to the film. The difference between a film screenplay and a book or novel is that a novel is in and of itself the art, right? That That's how it existed. Yes, someone could buy your novel and turn it into a movie, but the novel is what it is. It's like a sculpture. It's the difference between an actual sculpture you can put your hands on and someone writing a proposal for a sculpture. Like, this is the sculpture I want to do. I think it'd be a really good sculpture. Please give me the money to, so I can make my sculpture as opposed to you just going out and making the sculpture. And it's, it's a great, great feeling holding, you know, your book in your hands. It's awesome. And it's something you can leave behind for your kids that they can have. And uh, it's really cool. And now we live in an age where you can get one copy of your book printed. The old days, self-publishing, you know, they'd say, oh, minimum a thousand copies, right? So you spend thousands of dollars getting your minimum thousand run done you give away who knows 50 60 books to everybody you know and then the other you know 900 books sit in your garage for the next 20 years till someone eventually just throws them away so it's kind of like screenplays right if you have an idea for a movie and you can make it yourself write your idea go make your movie put it on youtube and if it goes viral then that can create opportunities for you right and maybe even money a lot of YouTube channels can generate income. So think about that. A lot of people make good money on YouTube. They never go through a movie studio. You know, they just do it on YouTube and they, they're making money. They become an influencer. Who knows? So same thing with a book. You know, doing the traditional way, good luck. It's it's nice. You're like a real you're like a real author, you know. <laughs> Whether if you self publish your book, you you're considered an author or not, I don't know. I do, but um, if you're going to, you know, you have your idea, try to self-publish it. You know, worst case scenario, you can try to get it done professionally, get editors and someone to actually buy it. But if you can't, just self-publish it. And again, you're not waiting for somebody to say yes to you. You're doing it yourself. Um, if you have an invention, the only thing I would say about inventions are be careful because it takes a lot of money to develop a product and be real careful. Just do your research. There's a lot of videos. There's a, there's a InventRight TV. They're they they're one of these services that they help inventors, but they do they have a lot of free advice out there. A lot of YouTube videos, and they do like live chats. So InventRight TV, and they're kind of on the up and up of who they are. Other people, I think, they try to you know basically take money from people that that want to do their inventions. And they're going to exploit them. That's their business model. It's not to help your invention come to the market. Their their business model is getting money from dreamers, from suckers. 
And um, and Rent Right TV, I think, is a little better than that. Just you can, like I said, I've never given them any money. I just watch their videos on YouTube, and, and I got a lot of good ideas from watching those about, hey, you don't have to create your own company. You can submit your idea to companies. Um, and they talk about what it, what you need to do to submit your idea and like having all the your presentation. So, you know, that's good. A again, same thing. And then if you want, if it's developed enough, you can try to do a Kickstarter campaign. The only thing I would say about a Kickstarter campaign is it's better if you have your audience ahead of time. Because I think if you just launch your campaign on Kickstarter, I don't think many people just go to Kickstarter and just start looking at things. Well, where, who could I give money to today? I think there's some people like that. But mostly it, the idea has to go. You have to have an audience or build your idea and have an audience ready to go and then do your Kickstarter. Because, um, you know, if you don't, if people don't know about it, then no one's going to back your idea. And if you think you're going to get every, you know, run Facebook ads to get people to go to it, you know, this internet advertising can be very expensive and, and you quickly outspend yourself. But that's the way any business is anyway. Any business you start, any idea you start, you're probably going to be paying more in the beginning to try to get it up and going. That would be my only caution about that is, is again, you might have an idea for a product and you have the passion to actually make a prototype or to be able to go into production on it. And, and just be careful on your plan that you don't you know, mortgage your house for this product and it does it's not successful and now all of a sudden you've got $100,000 in debt that you can't pay. Like I've watched a lot of episodes of Shark Tank and they start talking to people. How much money have you invested in this? And you hear about what people have invested or how much debt they have. It's a little scary. So all the inventions that I do are very small scale and it's still not cheap. You know, and, and I don't always make the best decisions because sometimes I get ahead of myself and I've had to learn some lessons the hard way. You know, maybe that's the, you know, you pay money to take a, a, a class and sometimes you can pay money in real life and learn a lesson too. So that's the way I look at it that, you know, if I make a mistake or I overspend, have I learned a lesson? Is that what I paid for? So say, for instance, on the VELF, you know, I paid um, I was. I really only want to pay fifty dollars in Facebook ads. I and then I somehow I didn't turn the Facebook ad off, and I owed you know hundred. I doubled the next day. It ran again, um, so I ended up owing a hundred dollars in Facebook ads. But what those and I didn't get a lot of business from the Facebook ads. But I learned about my product. I learned that it was going to be some resistance to it. People didn't want to put Velcro all on everything they owned, right? Which ne wouldn't necessarily be the case, but that's what people thought. That was their impression the first time they saw this product. So that's what I took from it. That it wasn't a complete waste. I just paid $100 to learn more about my product and the public's reaction to it. And if you look at it that way, maybe it was money well spent. If you just looked at it to, did that $100 generate $1,000 in people backing the VELF? No, it didn't. And if you look at it just purely like that, it was complete failure, a complete waste of money. But if you look at it like, how much did I have to pay to learn some key things about my product? Maybe it's not so bad. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, again, I had the idea for the VELF. I was passionate enough that I was able to develop it and got my prototype. And I was able to, you know, get to the point where I could produce these myself, basically. And I, you know, I had a company that was interested in it. And that, that helped give me strength. So... 
But when they said they weren't, you know, my plan was, you know, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. I want to see what the public's reaction to this is. And it didn't work out so well. I'm, I'm glad it got funded. It was It's funded now. And now I have to send my VELFs out to the people that backed it. Um, but quite honestly, it's probably going to go on the back burner for now, especially while I wait to see what happens with AMC. But I really want to see the people that backed it. I Hopefully, they'll give me feedback. And do they like it? And do they become passionate about it? Or is it just like, meh, you know, it's it's okay, but I don't I don't use it anymore. Do people keep using it? Do they like it? Or do they put it up and it just sits there empty and they don't even use it anymore? So who knows? Um, and just getting back into like whether you want to do a blog, whether you want to do Twitter or a book or anything like that, the other advice that I would give you is try to specialize your idea. I think one of the great things about this podcast is it's AMC. It's targeted to people that want to invest, that are AMC investors. Now, in some ways, that limits the podcasts, podcasts reach to people, but by targeting it, it's easier to find that audience. So if you want to do a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast, and you just like, this is my podcast, I talk about everything, it's going to be harder to capture that audience. Whereas if you do a podcast, it's about real estate, or it's about you know, murder mysteries or unsolved crimes or, you know, especially one of these subjects that people are passionate about anyway. Or if it's a TV show, a hit TV show um, or a movie, you know, it's easier to find that audience or for people to find your podcast if it's kind of a niche idea. It may limit the growth of that idea, but at least you can get it going um, and uh, that will help too. So anyway, I hope you have your ideas. I hope you have your passion to try to you know bring your ideas to life and I hope you have a good plan that can help you bring these ideas to life. The the thing that I would stress is we live in an amazing world today where if you have an idea for something and you have the passion for something you can have a plan to bring it to life whether it's a podcast like this whether it's a self-published book on Amazon whether you want to start a Twitter account or you want to do a TV show on YouTube that you can produce your episodes yourself. Um, we live in an amazing world where you can bring your ideas to life and you don't need the gatekeepers that were traditionally there that were the access to the production, the means of production, the cameras, the editing equipment, right? And most importantly, the audience. They were able to, they would they would get your your film into theaters. They would get your show broadcast. You don't need that anymore. All those things are available digitally to you. So it's a great age that we live in. Now, does that mean you're going to make a million dollars from your idea? No. And um, if that's your your idea, you just want the million dollars, you want to be rich, who knows, invest in the stock market or come up with an idea, uh, you know, for a business or buy, you know, slowly buy real estate. There's, there's easier ways to make money than thinking you're going to come up with a million dollar idea for a movie or a book you know, or a podcast. But if you're just happy, if you're passionate and you like it, it, you know, we live in a great age where you can bring things to life. So I hope you have your ideas. I hope you have your passion and I hope you have your plan and I hope you can bring your projects to life. So the market's going to open back up soon and uh, we'll have maybe another chance to make some money. And then who knows what we could do if we have this money to, to bring some of these ideas to life on a, on a bigger scale. Um, and who knows? So we're all just going to be waiting for the MOAS, and maybe that will be the next episode of the AMC Stock Story.